Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Sentimental Garbage, a podcast celebrating chiclet and the so-called guilty pleasures you're sort of done feeling guilty about. My name is Caroline Donahue, and when I released my first novel this year, I found myself being asked the same two questions over and over again. One, did I think of my novel as chiclet? And two, was I offended if it were called that? Which is weird, because all the best women I know are also devoted fans of chiclet, and this podcast is dedicated to examining what's good, great, and occasionally questionable about the genre. Today I'm joined by author of Hot Mess and What Fresh Hell, Lucy Vine. We're talking about Watermelon by Marion Keys. Hi, Lucy. Hello. Welcome how are to the you? podcast. Thank I'm you really so good. much for having me. <laughs> um, first off, I want to ask why you picked Watermelon. Because it's amazing. Mm-hmm. No, um, it was actually the first book I read that would kind of come into that category of chiclet yeah. when I was a teenager. Mine too. Yay. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a brilliant, because like, chiclet obviously gets dismissed in a horrible, demeaning, patronising way a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I was like that when I was a teenager. I was off in my room reading sort of um, Dickens and Thomas Hardy and stuff and thought I was so clever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So when I I read this first when I was 13 and um, I thought it was amazing and then uh, continued reading like that, like my mum's books or my sister's books, um, books like this for years. And then when I was about 17, um, I made friends with lots of very literary boys and got the very um, strong sense that just because you read a lot doesn't mean you're reading correctly and then I threw up, threw them all out started reading Richard Yates and F. Scott Fitzgerald <laughs> and Ernest Hemingway and all the important oh, Irish so writers <laughs> I know I totally just like put my passion under a cloche yeah. for like 10 years and now and then like now I'm just like having this total rebirth with the whole genre oh it's so lovely it's to discover it's so lovely yeah because that's it I just assumed it was rubbish and I think I well, assumed well there was enough people telling you that it was you know <laughs> but I think it was just me I just was such a snob about it and I thought I was so clever reading all the wanky stuff but I assumed it was badly written like the sort of Sweet Valley stuff which Mm -hmm. is really fun and entertaining but really badly written it's just repetitive and stuff so I just assumed that was it and I just remember my sister in the bedroom next door sort of howling away at these books and me being really snobby about it and then eventually kind of giving in and reading Watermelon and just being blown away by how funny it was and how clever and brilliant the writing is so fantastic so before we get properly into it I'm going to quickly um, summarise the plot so we start with Claire Walsh who is a 28 year old Irish woman living in London whose world falls apart when her husband James leaves her on the day she gives birth to their first child. So she promptly moves back to her house in Dublin with her parents and her sisters and she kind of works through her grief. She falls in love with a guy called Adam. She prepares for a new life and then that all comes crashing down when James suddenly walks back into her life. <laughs> and like, I remember reading that first page because it's so, so strong. It's very oh, much, yeah. I remember, I think it's February 15th or something. 
Um, I'll always remember February 15th because it was the day my daughter was born and the day my husband left me. And it's I remember such a good sentence. So fantastic. <laughs> and this is, okay, this isn't the first chiclet I read, first chiclet you read. Yeah. The first book Marion Keys wrote. I know. Isn't that ridiculous? And, and just to have that, like, that opening line. And I remember even at 13, reading that line and the first thought being, like, Oh my god! I didn't know you were allowed to do that. I didn't know that men were like could just leave no. their wives. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they can, but like, no, they're trapped. Once they've given you a baby in your belly, you have to keep yeah. them. <laughs> and it was so strange because, like, I remember feeling this like fear and panic reading that, being like, a man can just leave you on the day yeah. you give birth to his child, and then you just have to deal with it. And oh. weirdly, when I was rereading this book, um, I started having horrible nightmares oh really again I had, like, <laughs> about Gavin <laughs> about Gavin about my boyfriend about being because like she goes on and on throughout the early um, bits of the book being like um, you know oh James we were so happy you were yeah, so lovely yeah everything seems so perfect he's so everything. sweet he's yeah. so adoring all this stuff and mm. I, I'd just be like oh, my boyfriend's going to stop loving me <laughs> like like nightmares about yeah. him turning into James it was sort of the worst nightmare wasn't it that you could be completely happy and like life was settled and then something like that just tears it apart and yeah. that certainly was my fear as a teenager now I don't care if nobody ever loves me again <laughs> but then I'm broken inside <laughs> but yeah it's so weird how much you kind of go back into that space of like your teenage headspace rereading something you read at that totally. point there's so many raging hormones going on and then having all these emotions about marrying keys <laughs> so what, what was the emotions that you felt reading as a teenager and what were they like when you reread it now and how have they changed well, um, as a teenager, I think I probably felt quite a lot of shock, like you did, like mm. that this could possibly happen. I, I also very strongly remember that I thought she was really old. <laughs> At 29, that's so weird, isn't it? And that, God, of course she was having a baby and... Um, yeah, you know, why hadn't she had one yeah. earlier? God. Exactly, she's so old. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember thinking yeah. proper grown-up and now reading mm. it and being the same age as Claire. Yeah, I'm older. <laughs> I've God, way you are old. my time to be left by my husband. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, obviously the main drama of the book is the fact that Claire is left by James and then falls in love with Adam but then James comes back but to me the actual meat of the book is the Walsh family and that their, their whole world and that kind of middle class suburban life that is so accurately portrayed <laughs> it's amazing I think it might have been my first sort of um, contact with Irish really <laughs> when I was reading it for the first time yeah and I was just fascinated because there's all this sort of um language that they use and the yeah, kind of yeah. turns of phrase and stuff and I was absolutely enthralled I just I just couldn't wait to meet a real life Irish <laughs> well, <laughs> person do I have teenager. a treat for you <laughs> <laughs> but, but I totally agree with you I was just I'm so fascinated by this, the Walsh family they're the best people ever I love them so much and it, what's funny as well rereading it is that I'd actually this is ridiculous but I'd completely forgotten that Adam existed because he actually doesn't appear that much in the book well I think it's just because Looking back, I think I just didn't sort of prioritise the love story in this book, Mm-mm. which is weird because obviously it is most of the book. But I, and actually, I really hate Adam as well. I think that might have been it as well. Okay, I find tell him me why really you hate irritating. Because I feel like Adam is very much a woke bay. He's very much a man on Twitter, isn't he? <laughs> he is, yeah. He's... Tell, like, tell me more about Adam and how you feel I, about ju- him. I don't know what it is. I, I just really hate him. I find him really like simpering. 
Mm. I'm just. I think it's just because I'm dead inside, and I okay. hate, I hate love. <laughs> just mistress but he's men. just. He's just all that keeps going on about how special she is and what a good person she is, and I. I just completely loathe him. There were so many times reading it back mm-hmm. that I just wanted to hit him. <laughs> oh, also, it, like first date, he takes her to a to the gym. What the fuck, man? So weird. So the tra- the trajectory of her and Adam is that she her youngest sister Helen who is like this terrible beauty. I love Helen. She's my Helen's favorite. fantastic. She, her whole thing with Helen is that she's a horrible person, yes. but everyone loves her. Because she's pretty. Because she's very pretty and kind of charming and she's occasionally quite nice to you. And you're like, okay. And then you become grateful because she yeah. said something nice. And so she's 18, but she completely rules the household and she's in uni. And um, every now and then she just brings a boy home from uni when she needs an essay being written for her. And they're always these like long strings of piss of boys. And they're just like these gloomy guys that she brings out. And then one, one day she brings home Adam who is 24 and he's like a mature student and he's gorgeous and um, him and Claire basically it's, it's weird love at first love. sight thing. Yeah. Like she's literally like peeling potatoes or something yeah. by the sink for Irish. Yeah. Oh no, she's making pesto which is important. Oh, that's right. Yes. Because her whole family can't cook and they're really suspicious of it. Yeah. <laughs> she tries to cook pesto and everyone's like no. <laughs> we don't do he's this. He's the only one that eats it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he and he sees her, and then he says, "Oh, can I see your baby?" And she's like, "Yeah." And she comes, they go and meet the baby together, and the baby has blue eyes. And he says to her, and he's known her for six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he says to her, "If people were to see us on the street, they think I was her dad," which is a mad thing to say. <laughs> find him a creep I don't know what it is I just maybe it's because I just don't trust it I just don't trust mm. his pure intentions and I know obviously he comes good he's the good guy in this book yeah. but I just don't trust him I don't trust men I think that's, that's what it comes down to me. I just need deep therapy yeah deep <laughs> until deep I think therapy. Adam, as a teenager I think you'll struggle to enjoy this coming back to this genre yeah. <laughs> if you don't trust men which maybe you shouldn't who knows yeah, um, but yeah then be. he calls her up a few days later and he's like do you want to like do something I'd love to be your friend he's, he uses the word friend Ugh, a lot that's it as well oh it just creeps me out stop pretending you're all pure and nice yeah yeah Ugh. and like he is sort of taking advantage of her loneliness in a little way <laughs> like she's just been abandoned by her husband of like six years yeah. or whatever and then he's like you know what I'm going to move in here the thing that also shocked me rereading it is how short the time frame is they know each other for two weeks yeah <laughs> Also, her husband left. Like she's got a newborn, yeah, and it's and the whole thing is like six weeks tops. I think it's the, the time frame of the book is two months long. Okay, yeah. yeah, but when like when she's kind of like, I will be alone forever. Oh, it's okay. I'm moving on. I'm falling in love yeah. with this new guy. It is like four weeks. <laughs> There's a little bit of me that's judging her for that. Yeah, you kind, I, I kind of, yeah, I kept expecting there to be a time in the book where they're like, and, Two the, weeks have the, passed. and the seasons passed, and then autumn became winter, and then winter became spring, and then I met someone. Yes. But actually, no. <laughs> Two weeks. Yeah. So there is an element of that being of its time, isn't yeah. it? Because that is a bit depressing. <laughs> she can't be alone for more than a few weeks. But I actually think that is really indicative of, um, was certainly my experience when I was writing my first book, where I. I didn't really know how to write transitional scenes. Oh, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because nobody tells you. It's so no. so obvious. Nobody tells you when you're writing your first book that um you can just say six months later. Yeah. And like, <laughs> 
or like or whatever you think that you have to like you start at this one point with the character and then you minutely explain everything they do until the yeah. end of the book but actually <laughs> you can just leave bits go yeah. I found that with my first book as well because I was really aware that it does annoy me when there's too short a time frame yeah. because I get so invested and then I'm like oh it's only been a few like I actually I don't know this character it's only been a few weeks so when I was writing Hot Mess I was quite like I need to stretch this out and then yeah. realised it had only been two months as well and I was like my no, book is also changed two months. too much yeah that's weird oh isn't my it? god debut novels right? are two months two long months. <laughs> <laughs> but it's annoying because I just don't think that you can have such a transformation in your character and your soul in two months no you're absolutely I right I sleep for two months and like nothing would change I know I, I can like underwear in take two up months. a hobby give it up yeah. and forget I ever joined that gym <laughs> in two months yeah but it's, it, I'd love to know why that is because like my my character in Promising Young Women she um she like has this big transformative little yeah. transformative thing and she comes out to the side of yeah. this huge affair a different person and she's stronger and this is like it's been a summer <laughs> <laughs> how can you be different you can't be I guess be. Um, it must be about a week per 10,000 words ish yeah. <laughs> I guess it works that makes out that sense. way yeah. maybe that's just the way it works out when yeah. you write I want to get back to the Walshes yes. in general oh, yes okay so <laughs> we've got um, Jack Walsh who's the dad right I didn't I know love. his name well done for knowing that Jack I just Walsh. sort of said dad I don't know what's the mum's name oh I've forgotten oh. I think I'm going to say Mary it's <laughs> going by Irish women's names Mary. it's probably Mary <laughs> yeah we've got the, the dad and the mum and their dynamic is amazing um, he does everything <laughs> yeah. he does he does all the cleaning. Yeah. Um, he does basically all the emotional labour of like telling the kids when they have to stop doing things. Like he has to go and have a word with Claire about maybe she should start oh, that's washing. That's such an adorable scene, isn't it? <laughs> I know. When she goes in, he goes into her and is like, maybe love you could um, stop drinking during the day. That's not good, is it? Yeah. Maybe you could get out of the nightgown, maybe. He's so cute, isn't he? I think this is where I wanted to, where I picked up kind of my obsession with families in books because both of my books have had like a big... Um, most of the kind of central theme is around families and stuff. And I really do think that that kind of goes back to my love of marriage because like like I said before I didn't really remember the love angle of this yeah, book because all you remember is just that a family it's a family star. of the hilarious five sisters five sisters yeah. so Claire's the oldest and um, I love that she sort of vaguely pops up in later books have you read the others I've read the others yeah. I have, and I love them yeah. and after after Claire we have um, Rachel, Rachel and Margaret yeah that's it Maggie yeah um, yeah, Rachel and Matthew. Yeah, so, oh, sorry, really you, you know her by her nickname. <laughs> Dear friends. Um, who don't actually appear in this book, but have no. um, Rachel's Holiday and Angels. Oh, it's Angels, isn't it? That are the books that deal with those yeah. sisters, and they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, especially Rachel's Holiday, I think, yeah. for me. Um, but then the two sisters that we do see in this mm-hmm. book are Helen, yeah. who is, we just talked about. She's 18. She's, she's amazing. fierce. She's, yeah, yeah really beautiful. <laughs> and then we have Anna, who is the second to youngest, who's this sort of like hippie, kind of really into Wicca, really (laughs) wants for ghosts to exist. Um, Always sort of like goes to the shop and then just never comes back because she's met someone with a van. (laughs) She's amazing. Yeah, I I know. I love her so much. And Helen like mocks her all the time and teases her and like does that trick with the intercom, doesn't she? Where she's like pretending to be a A ghost, a ghost calling through and giving her instructions. And I just love the like the chaotic energy that's like it feels like Claire's moping yeah. in her room but the, there's still this like fluidness going through the house this chaos yeah. all the time these sisters were always getting into like <laughs> mischief and stuff and, yeah. 
Do you um, have siblings? I do. I'm yeah. the youngest of four. Oh, because I'm the youngest of five. Really? So that was sort of similar. I mean, I've got brothers as well as sisters, but it felt yeah. very similar. I remember as a teenager, that sort of totally. overwhelming loudness that, yes. that she she sort of um, writes so well <laughs> of being in a big family. She really does. And also that thing of sort of unconditional love where you, you are horrible to each other. Like Helen yeah. is horrible to everybody. But that's fine because that's just like family. Like we forgive each other and we still love each other anyway but we wouldn't be able to behave that way with your friends or they just never come back (laughs) and it feels like I feel like you can always tell when somebody writes a big family novel whether or not they come from a big family (laughs) because like I don't know enough about Marion does she have a big family she does she's the oldest of five oh there you go yeah so so she's Claire isn't she she is a Claire yeah I mean everybody assumes that first novel is about you don't they they do they do that to you they do that to me they do well yeah what's interesting is that like um so I wrote a novel, uh, Promising Young Women, if no one's bought it. Please do, I need to eat. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was, because um, I worked in advertising for a long time and it's set in the world of advertising. Yeah, of and so because of that, everybody assumed that um, everything else was the same, yeah. that I had like had an affair with someone, that, you know, I was from a single parent family, which is not true either. Yeah. And like all these things they just assumed were true. Yeah, there was a horrible thing because it's exactly the same with Hot Mess and because I am single and... yeah. Um, Ellie Knight, the character in my book, is, is single. But there was a horrible sort of element to it where a lot of people thought my mum was dead because oh. the character's mum is dead and they and like a lot of people kind of tried to talk to me in this really sensitive way and I actually felt real like a fraud because she's not. And it was such a weird, awful, sensitive thing because a lot of people kind of contacted me and were like, my mum died and you described it so well, like oh, you lost your mum, right? And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, but I haven't. And I, I'm so glad that you feel like yeah. it helped or whatever. But that was, yeah, but people really just they, do assume I think, and you know, men are men come up with things, yeah, and yeah. women draw on their personal lives, and yeah. that is the cliche that you always get. Have you any next one yet, Caroline? Yes, because they don't ask it so much when you've written the second one. Oh, I'm or so is it a glad. Sequel? No, it's not a sequel. Okay, you're fine. Then. The second one is about like um, uh, lesbians in the west of Ireland. So. Amazing. <laughs> I'm hoping. I don't get like outrightly asked about my sexuality on well, panels. Well, I might do. Well, am I? And maybe it's that'll be fun too. It's a lot harder to write features around it, to promote it when it sort of deviates from your own life though. <laughs> oh God, why didn't I think of that? I have trouble. Like but that. I do think that like, that whole thing of like women and autobiography and how yeah. people assume that it is the same is like one of the many reasons I think that chiclet is not taken seriously. Yeah, of course, because we can't come up with anything out of our own brains. Yeah, no. Mm. Like, like... Marion, yeah, she she is the oldest of five kids, and yeah. and maybe she but you've was. You've got to get it drawing. from somewhere. <laughs> she she doesn't have kids. I mean, she's in a long marriage, but yeah. she wasn't left at twenty eight or whatever. None yeah. of that is true. But yeah, she she started from a place of like, okay, I'm a twenty something year old Irish woman living in London, and then she like yeah. made some stuff from there, and that's fiction. Like you yeah. take bits you know, and you like clamp on bits you don't know, and then exactly. it becomes a different character, yeah. and all that. And I just I find it really infuriating when people don't acknowledge that. Yeah, I'm gonna write a zombie apocalypse novel just so that they can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um. actually, um, do you know the writer Michelle T at all? No. Michelle T is famous for writing memoirs. She's written like five memoirs. In fairness, she's had an exciting enough life. She's like, she was a sex worker and then she was this and then she was that and she like has experienced a lot. Mm. But she kind of punked everyone by writing this memoir called Black Wave and everyone was like, oh, it's like her sixth memoir. But then halfway through, the apocalypse happens. Oh my God, that is amazing. It's such, she basically punked everybody. Like, that it is amazing. It was so good. <laughs> yeah, it's called Black Wave. I bet Wave. there were a bunch of reviewers who didn't actually read it. I know. just kind of went like, yeah, it's her sixth memoir. It's really boring. <laughs> <laughs> but 
back to the um the big family novel. Mm. Um, I honestly think that the the sisters in this book are much better. Not not better, but they they feel more real to me than any other famous big family novel. Yeah. Like much more than I mean, Little Women was a long time ago, obviously. <laughs> yeah, um, they're too nice to each other. Yeah, <laughs> but the, but the way that the the problems that these women have, like um, you know, Anna like is kind of a space cadet who sort of sells weed and is sort of, sort of lost and she can't really keep a job down. Yeah. And um, Maggie is sort of the re- reliable sister, but also she's got a lot of stuff that she's not explored and yeah. she actually experiments with bisexuality as well. Yeah. Um, we get Rachel, who's a drug addict and who yeah, goes oh, to rehab. Yeah, that's an amazing book, isn't it? Rachel's it's, Holiday. Rachel's Holiday is an incredible book. Yeah. I'm sure in Rachel's Holiday, like when we kind of return to Claire, she's still got Adam like hanging around like a puppy. She does, and it's in a really like dismissive way. It's described in a really dismissive yeah. way where she's like, "Oh, my older sister Claire, who still has her toy boy, and like he follows her around like oh, a totally. pathetic little puppy dog." And like, that was the only time where I was like, "Yay! I'm glad that Adam and Claire are still together." And there's this fantastic <laughs> scene at the end of Rachel's Holiday where they're all home for Christmas, and they make they make Adam do everything. They make yeah. make the tea, change the channel, answer the door. <laughs> It's like, yes, this is Adam's rightful place in this home. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. (laughs) How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, this is my, one of my favourite parts as well. There's this bit near the start where she says, um, my, my, um, I really wanted a drink, but my parents don't keep alcohol in the house. Oh, and yeah. then she says, I say that as if it were a choice or, or a moral stance, but actually they can't keep it because we kept drinking it. Did you like, still lick it Yes, it was the yes, realest thing ever. Like, so they had, like, my, she's like, oh, my parents used to have a quite a well-stocked, respectable liquor cabinet because my dad would win whiskey at golf. And I'm like, yeah. that is the most middle-class suburb thing ever. That is my life. It's like, dad's winning whiskey so at relatable. golf is the most... Like it's so perfect, um, and th- and then obviously they kept um, the girls kept stealing liquor out of the bottles and then watering it down, so and good. it's just so perfect. Like they lit- and then they have this kind of cold war where the mum like hides 
the alcohol and then they find it and then just hide it again. <laughs> but nobody so ever mentions I, it. I think I got the idea to steal alcohol and water it down from this book. So did I. <laughs> oh, I love it so, so much. Um, and just like the amount of people just sitting on beds having a laugh eating eating chocolate. Oh, yeah. There's so much of that. <laughs> and I, I, I really love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but then there's like... James comes back. Oh, yeah. Which is the sort of the main big drama, I think, that happens, really. But it's quite late in the day, isn't it? Because we yeah. hear about James throughout the whole book and he's kind of only described in this sort of one-dimensional he-was-just-an-amazing-husband way. Yeah. Um, and it's just a sort of confusing... Why did he go? Yeah, yeah. And it, I think it was also the first time I'd ever read a book where um, I sort of realised that you can't trust the narrator or your hero and not because she's lying but just because we all sort of represent ourselves in a certain way that isn't necessarily true or or like we remember things wrong and especially because when James comes back he tries to convince her that it like the reason he had an affair was because she is such hard work and she was so demanding and so difficult um and she sort of starts to believe yeah that's it yeah and then you kind of realize that actually well, you find out that he was the sort of desperately insecure one mm-hmm. and he just can't admit that he he loves her desperately Completely. and has always felt insecure about her because she's so amazing. So uh, there was just, it was just sort of, I remember as a teenager being very kind of surprised by the fact that actually she was like this goddess. Yeah. I know that that sounds weird, but also like obviously we all get brainwashed as women about like... um how we should be grateful to have a man and, like, mm-hmm. we should grab onto one and hold on to him and, like, yeah. trick him into being with us forever. Um, and I think as a teenager, like, especially then, I really had that impulse and I was quite, like, convinced that she had ruined everything, that she had fucked up this marriage. You believe James? Yeah. Wow. Isn't that weird? And and reading it back, I, I kind of had this sort of flood of horrifying revelations about myself as a teenager where I did just kind of buy into this idea that like she she'd lost him and it was his fault her, um, fault. her fault sorry and um and like she had to do whatever to she, get him back yeah and and what what yeah. was he supposed to do except go run to another woman and you're like, oh <laughs> wow of course james yeah it makes sense like be grateful that he's come back claire it's totally. so sad but isn't is, it <laughs> now but now that you've like lived your life as an adult woman i have seen yeah. so many relationships like that and like the thing is if this, if this relationship were happening today We'd call that emotional abuse. Yeah, do you know what I mean, because absolutely. that's exactly what he does. Yeah. He completely gaslights her. To make her think she's crazy. Yeah, I know so many women who are mm. like, "Oh, you know, my boyfriend's so amazing, incredible." Da 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 da. And then you see them like becoming oh, so fractions weird. of their former selves when they're that's actually around awful. their boyfriends. Yeah. They become so quiet. Mm-hmm. They become so closed off, and they're just like, "Yeah, yeah." You oh, know? it's so weird, isn't it? And you're like, either you're lying about who you are around me, mm. or you're afraid of being who you are around him because yeah. he's so insecure and so sort of weird about you being a big chatty laugh the way yeah. I know you that yeah. you're just like squandering it around him because you're afraid that like, I've seen I've seen that relationship happen and yeah. it's like which is weird I think when I read this it felt like oh like a just like a plot device or a plot twist or whatever mm. and you know he was a bit of a psycho and a bit weird and da da but like now that I've like lived, I'm like, oh, the, the Jameses. No, yeah, they are out there. They are out there. <laughs> yeah, and he almost like, and he almost gets away with I it know. if it weren't for those pesky kids. I know, right? <laughs> so what happens then is, so he 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 flies back into Dublin, and um, she's like made her peace with the fact that they're going to get divorced. And she's like, okay, well, you know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do like um, child support and maintenance payments? And he's like, 
oh, you're not divorcing me. <laughs> and, and she's like, what? I'm going to forgive you. And he's like, I'm going to forgive you. And, he, and she's, like, for, she's like, forgive me for what? And he's like, well, you were hard. Yeah, exactly. All the things mm. that you just said. And she basically just kind of in a trance sort of accepts that she was a horrible person. But we would, wouldn't we? Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, even now in this sort of very, um, I, I'm a very angry, strong feminist. And yet yeah. I think if somebody actually I, who I loved or I thought I'd loved told me, that I was a shitty human being. Yeah, I'd probably believe them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and, then, and then he's sort of like once he like gets her back, once so he like dark. snares her, it's so fucking dark. Once he snares her back in into the web, then he starts like giving her these little concessions. He's like, "Oh, you didn't mean to be an ungrateful child. It's just your family who <laughs> made so you that shit. way." And she's like, "Okay." <laughs> It is abuse, man. Oh, it's dog, isn't it? Yeah. And like there's um there's a brilliant bit that like as an Irish person mm-hmm. I really felt as well. Like um you know, so he has they have their initial meeting at her house and it's everyone's really oh, yeah. frosty to him or whatever. And uh then he says, Oh, can I meet you again? And she's like, Yeah, come over tonight and he said, I don't wanna come over. He makes this reference oh, about it. like um oh you're he makes all these references about, oh, the poor boiling oil on me and whatever, and everyone's hostile towards me. And he makes, and he kind of drops all these sort of subtle kind of hints. The, the poor me thing, yeah, like that, he's the victim. That he's the, first of all, <laughs> that he's the victim. And that like Claire, because she comes from this mad, big mad mm. Irish family, that she's like kind of this like colonial rascal and yeah. just like it's a kind of a weird xenophobia thing going oh yeah you know? oh right yeah I didn't see that that's interesting there's a very much like a James is like a posh English boy yeah, who has found himself in this Irish family that are really loud and everyone talks over each other and right. everyone sort of takes the piss out of him and he doesn't like it and he's so proud and he's just like I need to extract her from yeah. this yeah take her far away from them and then he keeps yeah. calling and being like come come now come now come now when are you coming yeah oh he's it's so scumbag. creepy and then she finds out because what happens is this is obviously spoilers all around like oh, but like yeah. you know it's, it's a 20 year old book yeah. <laughs> come on guys get your act together um, she called up his office and he to arrange something and he's out and his sort of colleague and one of her good George, friends George I really like George I like George too he's a bit it's pissed because really it's Friday and it's the 90s yes. <laughs> He's like, it's two o'clock, yeah. it's Friday, everyone's pissed. Oh, and he does all that therapy speak, doesn't he? I know, he? he does. He's very sweet. And he says to her, he's like, oh, like I hope he was, came back on his hands and knees. I hope he like gave you a big piece of jewellery and a holiday yeah. in the Maldives yeah. to boot. And she's like, well, no, actually, he, he made me see that I was a horrible person. And he was like, what? <laughs> and then she slowly, she talk, she kind of compares her notes with all of their mutual friends. And she they're all like... Judy, doesn't she? Who I hate even more than Judy's I hate Adam. the worst. Oh, can we just talk about Judy because I hate her and I remember hating her as a teenager and I hate her even more rereading it now. It's so she's weird. She's the worst friend. I've like So we meet Judy on like page 2. Yeah. Um and where she's awful then. She's awful then. She's her, supposed to be like her one of her best, best friends friend, from college. Yeah. She's also from Dublin. Mm. And like she's immediately she picks her up at the hospital and like Claire's in tears because her husband's just left left her and she's like rolling her eyes at Claire and being like oh come on like get it together sort of thing. It's awful. It's so and very much like oh yeah we all kind of knew. Yeah. Like such a dickhead. And she sort of rings her throughout the book and she's always a cold asshole. Yeah. Which I don't think is like oh come on get over it already type of attitude. Which I think it has to be intentional because it's not as if um 
it's not as if it's like we can say, oh, well, you know, Marion Keyes was a debut novelist and she wasn't able to write that character well because she's written so many so other side good, characters yeah. so well. The sisters are so rounded. and Yeah, and even her other friend, Laura, is really rounded yeah, as well. Yeah, she's fine, The one who shags she? a 19 year old. Yeah, I like her. <laughs> I liked her too. Wasn't a lot of her, but what yeah, I enjoyed of her. I kind of feel like if you best friend has just been dumped by their husband never mind all the extra circumstances like the baby and the affair and all this stuff like you are so nice to that person and you say yeah he's a shithead I'm on your side I'm here however much you want but she like Claire ends up feeling guilty about putting her in the middle, like at that big totally. that early stage. And she feels like and embarrassed. Then she's like, oh, I she's can't keep going on about it. Oh yeah, and, and like Judy's really annoyed because I keep crying, kind of attitude. And then it's even worse when she rings her at the end of the book to confirm that what George said yeah, yeah. to say. And and then Judy's like, oh yeah, yeah, like um, my boyfriend went out with him, went out with James like a month ago, and he said all that. And I was like, oh why, my why god, why didn't you call this is person who was heartbroken, whose husband had left, she didn't know why she doesn't understand why he's gone off and had an affair so you know that he's not only left this other woman and yeah. dumped her but you also know that he desperately wants you back why haven't you wrong your best friend my, my best friend saw an ex-boyfriend from like eight years ago in the street and like didn't tell me for two weeks i didn't speak to her for like ages so <laughs> so angry <laughs> You ring and you tell them if you have gossip about their ex. We never get an explanation as to why Judy's a cunt. Such a dickhead. I'm so glad you said cunt. She is a cunt. (laughs) Judy's a cunt. She she is the worst friend I've ever seen in literature. I'm just going to put that I honestly thought, I kind of forgot how it ended, the book. I thought that um, Judy being a cunt was an underlying thing for um, Claire staying in Dublin and being like, my London friends are full of shit. Oh, she doesn't stay in Dublin. She she goes back to London. I think she should have stayed. Her amazing family there, Laura's there. Yeah. Adam was going to be there. I guess but then he moves just to be with her because he's such a fucking loser (laughs) but he's a very hot loser well apparently I just can't picture him as hot because he just annoys me so much (laughs) (laughs) what I also love though I love how like um you know, back to the sort of throughout the book, she's like, oh, and James was so sexy and I was always sort of sitting on his lap and telling him how amazing he was. And then she sees him again and she's like, was he always this always short? short? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know, it's, it's such a good, yeah. but this is what I mean again, like you can't trust no. your narrator too too much because like they, we all remember things wrong and we all, right? it's so clever. Do you know who Claire reminds me of though? Um, have you read Rebecca? Yeah. So do you know how um, the narrator of Rebecca is always kind of going on about how unbelievably plain she is, how she's sort of like not good enough for Maxim, how this and this and this. But then <laughs> the terrible get, inner voice of every te- woman. Right? <laughs> but then like the, um, there's all these little hints throughout the book that are like basically signifying that she's a beautiful girl and incredibly evocative and stuff. Like there's even this bit where Maxim says to her, because obviously famously we never find out her name, and she says... Oh, it's sort of a beautiful, unusual, exotic name, just like you. Yeah. And it's like, we don't get the full picture of who this woman actually is, you know? Oh, that's so interesting, yeah. And Claire is the same. Claire is just like, oh, I'm just a big fat mess or whatever. And yeah. everyone around Claire is like, you are the most Stunning. fun, yeah. the most beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and you get hints of it, don't you, when she describes the parties, when she's talking about how wonderful James is. She kind of says like, oh, and he was always so lovely, like helping tidy up and yeah. do the washing up and stuff after I'd set fire to the ceiling at three totally. in the morning. And, you were, and I, it was always like, a, she sounds like the best fun. But completely, and and the fact that she thought James was so much so wonderful, even though he was clearly such a boring completely. fucker, like made him seem much sexier. 
And then I you meet like... him and you're like, oh, he's awful. And he's so shitty. Everything he says is so shitty, isn't it? Yeah. And, and you, you really get the sense that like everyone for their entire relationship has been like, what's she doing with yeah. him? Like, <laughs> and, but then well, she Judy but... finally comes through at that point, doesn't yeah. she? Calling him a boring fucker. She does finally say it at the he's end. He's a boring fucker. <sighs> and like... I think I've seen, I mean, maybe I've even seen you retweet this, or maybe you tweeted it, something like, um, uh, I know so many incredible, amazing women who have, like, book deals and TV deals or whatever, and they go, they're going out with a man who owns a mattress and a PS4. <laughs> was that you? I don't think that was me. That sounds someone, way too good for me. <laughs> someone like you, anyway. But that is so true. I mean, everyone knows, like, world's best woman going out with world's most okayest man. <laughs> Definitely. But also single women as well. I know so many amazingly cool, clever, beautiful single women. I, yeah. Yes, Bridget, myself. why are there so many single women in the 30s? <laughs> but like, I couldn't say the same about any men. Like, I, I don't know many yeah, single men. Every so often, the only a female I know is my brother. Will... I know why he's single, because he's a fucking loser. <laughs> Just joking, Just joking. Just joking. But like every now and then, like every once in a blue moon, a single friend will say to me like, oh, you know, I'd love to be set up. I'm so sick of Tinder or whatever. Do you, have anyone, do you know anyone? I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> they were all um, grabbed at 20. Yeah. <laughs> right? But like there's this real sense though that like um, men find amazing women and women invent amazing men. <laughs> right? <laughs> that is so well put. That is excellent. <laughs> it's like every every like... Brilliant relationship that you see in your life is always oh like, um, like I had a friend to me say to me once, she was like, um, you know, oh, I just want to meet. Like, is it so much for me to um, ask to meet a guy who's heard of Georgette Hare? Right. And I said, yes, yes. <laughs> you, Sorry. you need to find an average potato man and give him Tell a copy of Venetia. You have to invent them. I know. Well, this is partly what we were talking about before. This kind of thing of like women just lie to themselves a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like Claire's lying to herself all the way through this book, and we don't, we don't find that out until the end. Yeah. We lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves we're happy. Well, like we put ourselves down all the time, but we also just lie to ourselves that we're happy when we're in shitty situations. And it's often only when we've come out of the other side of a shitty situation that we can yeah. go, oh right, oh that was really shitty. And the worst thing is, there's always ten people who are like, oh yeah, he was wrong for you. Yeah. I'm like, well, oh, yeah, I we know it would have been nice. <laughs> So I was thinking, actually, Kate, who is Claire's baby, Claire right. James' baby, yeah. is turning 23 Shut up. in February. Shut up. Yeah. That's so weird. Right? <sighs> it, so the, she, she's of a perfect age to be in a Walsh book. Oh my God, yes. they're always in their 20s. Marianne, come on. Ma- I, I've tweeted her. <laughs> I've done my due diligence. So, okay, let's, <laughs> what a would a Kate book be? Oh, that's so difficult. Oh no, because she's covered so much stuff. Yeah. I mean, Kate needs to kind of explore the post Me Too world. Oh my yeah. And like not have a romance. Right. Just I kind feel of... like because, you know, we for the for the stands like us, we would need right. sort of like shades of the first watermelon. That's true. So, Loads of in jokes. do you know what I feel like it could be? Yeah, go on. Okay. <laughs> so Adam and Claire are like you know, in Dublin. Doing, uh, no, they're <laughs> so in Dublin. They're, they're beautiful and happy and okay. great. And but they'd probably be like 60. <laughs> and they're 60. So they live in... in no, they're, they're not. They're oh, come on. They're okay. in their 50s. Um, <laughs> 40s? I don't know. So they're in Dublin doing their thing. And Kate is in university in England. And she gets pregnant. And she has to move in with James, who is her estranged father. 
So good. Right? Yes. And he's like, has to ha- go through the whole thing of like, he abandoned her when he was young. He, and he was never involved. I'm assuming, based yeah. on his interest in her in this book, yeah. that he had no like and time has, in her adolescence or youth. And has the father of the baby abandoned her like what happened to her yes. mother? Gotcha. Right. We're yes. doing a Gilmore Girls in this. And is Helen going to be hired as like the uh, babysitter or like au yes. pair type of Yeah. Uh, yeah, so yeah she's okay. awful. So, so Helen moves in with them. So she moves yeah. in with um, James and James is like a boring father and they have yeah. to make him into a good person and he's like in his 50s and he's never married and he's a boring asshole yeah. and then like Helen comes as like the Mary Poppins yeah. and at this point like she's like what 30? 31? Uh. I don't know and she just like whips everybody into shape <laughs> and like makes like James good I guess yeah. and raises the baby and proves herself as being more than just a beautiful asshole <laughs> I think it'd be really good. I love this. I think that we should write it if Marianne doesn't want to. <laughs> I don't think she has other things to do. do. Does she have sort of intellectual property rights? <laughs> I don't know how this works. We could just rewrite her books, right? Everybody writes That's James fine. Bond these days. Right? And like um, Sarah Manning just rewrote Vanity Fair exactly. and Watermelon is like Vanity Fair. It's exactly In that it's a classic. <laughs> Final question. In that we have an unreliable narrator. In that we have an... Un- Boom. Boom. Drop mic. Drop mic. <laughs> Final most important question. Who would you cast in like a new... Uh, they, they, they made it as a TV movie, I think, with Anna Friel. Did they? Oh, my oh, God, yeah. I didn't even know that. I think it was very loosely based. Okay. So I remember watching it when I was younger and being really excited because a book I had read was a film. Yeah. And then like having that first <laughs> disappointment of like, this isn't the same. For Watermelon. Okay, so she's like the 29, isn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, she's American, but I think um, Rachel Bloom would be so... From My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. <gasps> She would be so oh. funny and good as that. She looks how I imagine Claire looks. Like she's yes. got the blue-eyed, like Irish dark hair thing going yes. on. And she's just so funny. Like Sharon Horgan was the other person I was thinking, but she's too old, isn't she? Yeah, she's a bit. So maybe she could play her like in the sort of later books when Claire is like in her forties. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I just think she'd be amazing. She'd have to do the English accent or the Irish yeah. accent, in fact. Is that quite easy to master? <laughs> I think if anyone can do it Rachel Bloom can do it she but actually so I wouldn't talented. mind if this I'm not even that attached to it being an Irish thing because um, Rachel Bloom is like she draws on her Jewish heritage a lot yeah. so if it was like a New York book where the family yeah. was a big Jewish family oh, that would be perfect, that would be it? It would be, the thing is it would be different cultural nuances but the yeah. energy would be the same yeah. of like just sniping <laughs> at each other and like falling in out of one room and like <laughs> It would be really good. That would be amazing. Oh, God. Someone better be... Someone call us. We're coming up with great <laughs> ideas here. And like Anna, I think Kristen Stewart could do a good Anna. Oh, she'd be but great. But maybe she's oh. too serious. But Anna's quite serious. Yeah. Actually, Anna's book is my favourite of them. I haven't Anybody read Anna's book. What's oh, Anna's book about? It's so heartbreaking. I remember just like falling apart with that book. It was oh. so wonderful. They're all just brilliant. I just want her to keep They're writing so... Walsh books. And I'm so excited that she's definitely now doing this Kate Walsh book. <laughs> There I did tweet no her way she and she said, you're gas. So that means... Did she reply? Yeah. No. Oh, Marion gave me a quote for my book. So uh, we're you're tight. You're besties. <laughs> Shit, is she going to listen to this? Yeah, I think so. I'm really embarrassed now. Oh, hi, Marion. <laughs> hi, Marion. <laughs> I love you. She's like the most adored, like famous chiclet person alive, probably. Well, quite rightly. And like, <laughs> she's just so sound to everyone. I know. Like, just a just decent human, isn't she? great. We're just doing this bit because she's going to listen, I know. <laughs> Yes. Tweet me, babe. <laughs> Tweet babes. Um, so final question. I've probably said final question about ten times. <laughs> would you recommend this book to people? And, you know, what would be your, like, strapline recommendation for this? I definitely would recommend it. And I have recommended it many, many times. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think I'd just say it's so funny and clever and, and just says so much about family. Like I'd, I'd read it for the family um, story. Even if there was no men in it, you'd still read it? Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, I, they kind of get in the way, the men part. Yeah, everyone has a dad <laughs> who's kind of an honorary woman anyway. Yeah. Yeah. He reads oh, Mary he's, Claire. He's the best, isn't he? Yeah. I love the dad character. Yeah, read it for the dad character. <laughs> also read my book for the dad character. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, so before we go, yeah. please tell me about your new book and where people can find you on social. Oh, um, my new book is called Are We Nearly There Yet? And it is out... Um, in it's the- a very Marion Q's title. Right? Yeah. No, I haven't ripped her off, I swear. <laughs> so that's out in May. Um, in yeah. paperback. And you can find me on Twitter mostly at... It's four letters. It's L-E-C-V. Yeah, it's very like your it's Twitter handle of like a large company. <laughs> Welcome to LACB Credit. It, well, it's Lucy Elizabeth Constance Vine. Elizabeth Constance Vine. I know, it's such a wanky name. No. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> um, so it's meant to be a kind of funny eat, pray, love. She's um, called Alice. Mm-hmm. She's turning 30, like every single fucking book I've written. <laughs> yeah. And she sort of hates her life. She can't stop having sex with her stupid ex-boyfriend. Great. So she uh, decides to kind of go off travelling around the world. And is it um, shit? Well, the book? Or? No. I know, I know, no one's written the travel book yet where someone has not that great a time. Oh, yeah, no, she totally like doesn't have it. She still sort of learns stuff, but there is a sort of ultimate, like, yeah. travelling doesn't solve anything. You're still the same dickhead you were when you left sort of vibe. Um, so our, our mutual friend and dumb woman, oh, yeah. uh, Alex Haddo, oh, yeah. she inherited a bunch of money and went travelling, and she is the only person who's ever done that who comes who came back and she was like, it was not that great. <laughs> And I love her so much more of that. She's already like my divine soul partner, but like I love her so much more for admitting it. You know, so good. Yeah, Yeah. it's not for everyone, is it? Thank you so much, Lucy Vine, for coming in, and thank you, Marion Keys, for making the best book ever. (laughs) After my conversation with Lucy, I managed to get Marion Keys on the phone to discuss her memories of writing her debut, Watermelon, and how it felt to have written a novel that became such a significant part of so many young women's lives, mine and Lucy's included. I mean, writing that book was the most fun I have had doing anything ever in my entire life. Um, And none of the books, you know, I've never enjoyed any of them as much as I enjoyed writing that one. And why was that, do you think? Because I had a clue what I was doing. And, And I really mean that. Like, I just thought you could write anything when you wrote a book. Anything that came into my head, I just threw it in. And I had no idea of, like, maybe that's not appropriate or maybe that doesn't belong here or whatever. Like, I just... I had no idea of rules and it was just, it was a very joyous time. You know, I had no idea really how lucky I was with all of it. Like I wrote that book for myself and I just enjoyed every second and I didn't agonize about plots. I didn't agonize about characterization. Like, I mean, you know, I probably think the subsequent books I've written have been better crafted and everything, but Watermelon was just me doing it for me. And it was just such a pleasure. Thanks to Marion Keyes for talking and thank you for listening. If you want to hear my full conversation with Marion where we talk about the post-feminist landscape of the 1990s, emotional abuse and inventing the famous Walshisters, listen out for the bonus episode which is coming very soon. We'll be back next week with a new episode of Sentimental Garbage where I chat to Aisha Malik about Bridget Jones' Diary by Helen Fielding. This has been Sentimental Garbage and I've been Karen O'Donoghue. You can follow me on Twitter at Zaraline, that's C-Z-A-R-O-L-I-N-E, or email me by the podcast at ZaralineO'Donoghue at gmail.com. Thanks to Harry Harris for the jingle. 
Gavin Day for the logo and Acast for the recording space. This has been a Justice for Dumb Women podcast produced by Hannah Varrell. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.